who's dawn i don't understand were you saying the morning time like d-a-w-n i'm not sure okay we're just gonna make our way from my front porch to walden studio here in my backyard we've got the sounds of life going on some rain's coming down but i'm finding that rather soothing something satisfying being outside going for a walk equipped with a an umbrella to keep you dry the dandelions are here so that's exciting i can see some rhubarb coming up as well it's the season of uh, the morel mushroom i imagine a lot of people at this point at this time in spring will be going through various forests and looking for the elusive but yet very precious and sac sacred morel mushroom. Okay, here we are. We're at the shed now. I'm gonna close the umbrella, or at least get it out of the way. Right now, I think underneath my the floor of my shed, a skunk has taken some residency. So I think we're gonna try to make sure that we just give each other some space and on, honor one another. That's a beautiful day. So who's Don? A number of episodes ago, an episode entitled Advice to a Young Person, uh, Daniel Sun and Captain Jack and I were debriefing, uh, kind of sharing our thoughts about a podcast episode we listened to based on the book Six Souls, Healthy Minds by John Kegg, How William James Can Save Your Life. I've attached a link to that episode in the show notes. It was uh, in response to the three of us collectively listening to a podcast on the psychology podcast with Scott Barry Kaufman. And we we kind of talked about uh, the thoughts that were shared in that episode and oriented it around a discussion of imagining that there was a young person who came and uh, was asking, you know, why bother in terms of living this life and having a sense of kind of struggle. Since that discussion uh, in a number of emails uh, and voice files back and forth between uh, Danielson and myself and Captain Jack and myself, we're, we're often talking about the ways we want to support young people, but we've kind of created in the process to kind of give a sense of concreteness to what could otherwise be a kind of abstract discussion. We created this kind of composite portrait of the young person today. And this young person named... Salutations! Welcome to Spiritual Blitherings, Philosophical Ponderings, and Everyday Ramblings at the Hopeful Humanist Cafe. This is a Just Some Guy production, and I'm that guy, your host, Steve, the Hopeful Humanist. Today we're going to talk about ideas and flow, the good life and resources for our spiritual toolbox. We're going to start with a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson, who was a friend, but also a mentor for... Henry David Thoreau. Maybe there might be some theme that emerges in terms of mentors. Nothing great was ever achieved 
without enthusiasm. And I am definitely enthusiastic about sharing with you who Don is. Don is, I think, uh, the best way to identify who Don is would be uh, describing Don as a composite portrait of the young adult of today. So imagine Don being 23. Don is, in terms of pronouns, could be, could be a he, could be she, could be they, could be one. A young person that lives in North America, I mean, specifically uh, Canada. Let's get even a little bit more specific, maybe Southwestern Ontario is attending university, the last few years of a degree in, I'm not sure what, but going to school and thinking about coming to that point in their life where they, they got to start thinking about getting a job, employment. So the central greedy institution that has been pulling at dawn has been the world of academia. I imagine that uh, Dawn has a part-time job and that Dawn has different relationships. Dawn is a, a child, uh, part of a family, has friends, and is trying to figure out how to be healthy in this world, how to live the good life, and is on the journey towards adulthood. And in, in terms of this journey, we can understand this journey as having three central phases. We can think about the writings and the thinking of Joseph Campbell and the young person, you know, will, will depart into the world, leaves home and goes through some kind of initiation into adulthood, different challenges and trials, and eventually it will return and, you know, come into oneself. So this is Dawn. And the reason why I want to introduce you to Dawn because in some future discussions that I have with Daniel Sun and Captain Jack, we'll be talking about Don and Daniel Sun and myself on a number of occasions and Captain Jack on a few occasions have been talking about Don. We've been talking about Don and Don's relationship to technology and Don's experience in academia and Don's experience coming out of and into the aftermath of the COVID-19 pandemic, which I think for young adults today is a defining moment. So to, to locate Dawn in terms of a generation, let's kind of do a quick little survey. We have Gen Alpha, and then we have Gen Z. We have the Millennials, Gen X, 
baby boomers, the silent generation, and the GI generation. We're talking about a number of generations that span a 122-year period. We're going back to 1901. To complicate things, we have some cusper generations, which are combos of two generations at their, you know, their tip points that overlap, and they're kind of in between, in a sense, um, the, de the generations that I just talked about. We have Gen Zalpha, which would be you know, a combination of Gen Alpha and Gen Z young people. We're talking about 9 to 15 in terms of age. And then we have the Zillennials. And so they would be a combination of the older Gen Z and the younger Millennials. And in terms of that particular group, you know, a number of those young people would still be living at home. Uh, they've moved out of uh, school into the workforce, and they have a lot of, dis you know, they got a lot of disposable income because they don't have a bunch of the big costs that they have to take care of. And as such, they're targeted by the marketing and, and the commercial businesses that are out there selling products and trying to entice them to buy some luxury goods. I guess the idea is if you buy these goods, uh, then you might be happy because having these things is a part of the good life. And then you have the Zennials from 1979 to 1984. They are you know, a, a group that consists of Gen X and the Millennials. So where is Dawn? Dawn is a part of Gen Z. The oldest uh, member of that generation at this time would be about 27. And so there are a lot of things that I think we need to consider if we're going to support Dawn and others a part of Don's generation for the beginning of the 21st century. I think there's a lot of core competencies that we've got to make sure that Don has access to. I think before we can do that, however, before we move into that place of telling Don, you know, what Don might need to do, what Don needs. I think the first thing that we need to do in terms of mentors to be that Ralph Waldo Emerson to the gen, to that younger generation, the Henry David Thoreau generation, just to kind of make a comparison in terms of a you know a, a generation uh, back in the uh, 1840s, 1850s. What we need to do is we need to activate our empathetic sensibilities. I think all too often when someone's trying to support someone else, they quickly jump to a solution-focused place. And we, we move too quickly from trying to understand what it might feel like to be 
someone else that's going through something. And in a previous conversation, the hard case for self-care, I was noting that often when we're having discussions with other people that are struggling to find you know, space, time, opportunities to engage in self-care, you know, too quickly I think we might get to, into that kind of discussion or, well, let's look at your priorities. And I shared the idea that maybe there are different points in our lives where self-care just becomes a little bit more difficult. And instead of trying to get quickly to ideas about options for solutions, maybe we just got to honor that at some points it's difficult. And I think that for a young person's day, these are difficult times. The, the one thing I think that Gen Alpha, Gen Z, and Millennials have in common would be if you go to CAMH, the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, it notes in a PowerPoint that they have in their educational uh, tutorials about mental health and addiction that simply being born a millennial is a risk factor for mental health and it can increase the likelihood of struggles with anxiety and depression. Simply being born at a particular time. We live in a world where everything is accelerated in terms of the pace of change. And this is a feature that exists for Dawn. Right? I think that before we as mentors might want to sit down and share some thoughts, I think the empathetic activity we might engage in is to ask ourselves, what does it appear to be like for Don? What kind of world does Don live in? And so I'm going to share some thoughts about what that world looks like. And then I'm going to invite you to participate in an activity called, uh, an activity called the age of dot, dot, dot. So in terms of the dawn that I'm thinking about and the, this kind of composite portrait of the various young people that I know, um, there could be slight differences in terms of the thoughts that you might have about the dawn that you might know. Because dawn, as I'm imagining this person, this young person, on a journey to adulthood, exists in a context. So I'm kind of creating this idea of Dawn, but Dawn in reality isn't a particular person. Dawn is a composite. So in terms of the way I'm understanding the realities for the Dawn that often uh, Danielson and Captain Jack and myself talk about would be a person who three years ago had to find ways to navigate this life-altering experience, a defining moment for this generation, the COVID-19 pandemic. There was a point before COVID when young people, in terms of their day-to-day -day vocabulary, were not talking about masking or going into bubbles or social distancing or self-isolating. These weren't words these weren't ideas that shaped the way people were living. For instance, you could have been walking down the street and you had to make that decision as you approach someone else, 
when do you cross the street so that you don't enter into each other's bubbles? And there would have been a time when that just wasn't something that had to be given any thought. And we can imagine that during this time, for Don, 23 now, three years earlier, you know, in the March of 2020, found themselves in a situation where they were no longer spending time in person with other people that might have been important to them. People were shut in. We were locked down. We were self-isolating to keep ourselves safe. There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of anxiety in terms of going outside into stores. It was really difficult and overwhelming. And I think it spilled over into this moment where a lot of young people are struggling with social anxiety. And I, you know, I don't think we can do that thing where we say just, you know, it's time for us to move on. Sure, it's time for us to move on. But I mean, like, what does moving on look like when these experiences have directly impacted the physiology of our very being and our brains? Uh, how our brains are operating. We've been, in a sense, conditioned to be afraid of one another. We weren't hugging each other. We weren't holding hands. We couldn't even see each other's faces. And this, this was Don's world. So Don might have been spending a lot of time with themselves. They might have been ruminating. They might have been overwhelmed with fears. Don may have lost friends. Dawn may not have had an opportunity to date and to graduate and to celebrate, to go to prom. Dawn might have not had the opportunity to have as much work experience, those stepping stone work opportunities, because places weren't operating, they were shut down. Don had a lot of experiences on the internet, in front of a camera, looking at themselves up in the upper right corner in some kind of box as they had discussions with others through Zoom or Google Meet. This is a strange world. It's an isolating world. And what do we know? We know that loneliness kills and I sense that uh, Don had a lot of moments where there was no one necessarily there for them when maybe they needed human contact more than ever we arrive at this point where because of a number of different social programs that existed and needed to exist there's been changes in the affordability of life. Energy costs have gone up. You know, gas has gone up. Heat for homes. Food has gone up. And we're at a point where a number of young people might think that 
they'll never be able to buy a home and they're living in a world where there's an erosion of social programs that might mean they'll never be able to retire. This is Don's world. And uh, Daniel Sun and Captain Jack and myself on a number of occasions have talked about ways that we can support Don. And some of the things that we think are important to think about would be the, the curriculum for the 21st century to help Don step into the 21st century and to thrive, not just survive, but thrive. And then perhaps to have an opportunity to heal and make sense of the last three years. It's as if we've had this very traumatic experience globally and nobody has the opportunity to really debrief and explore and reflect on the impact it's had on our spirit, on our mental health, on our physical health. I mean, something as simple as sitting in front of a computer for hours over the last number of years means that we're, we haven't been as active as we usually are. We're doing something that's sedentary and we're not active in the, you know, the question is, what is the implication uh, on, in terms of our health? We know that exercise is important for good mental health. And we've been, we, we were, and perhaps for many, you know, we haven't created a new routine. Um, we haven't been engaging our bodies. And perhaps that might explain why there seem to be more people that are talking about being overwhelmed, anxious, depressed. We went from a pace of life that was lower gear, slower, and now we've returned to that high-paced state of living. We live in an accelerated world. And some of the other things that I guess we could say about the world that Dawn lives in is it has to do with these things and it's influenced and it's impacted by these things called big government, big business, you know, and that includes like big pharma and big tech. And now we have like big health and all these decisions have spilled over into the way in which Don has experienced their life over the last three years. And it's very different than it, the way it was three years previous. So some of the things that we might want to include in the curriculum would be critical thinking, communication skills, problem solving, emotional intelligence, creativity, self-care, financial management. And we, we can move towards those discussions in other episodes. And I, I look forward to having Captain Jack join me and Danielson. But right now I'm just bringing a mindfulness to this moment about the importance of just sitting with Dawn, recognizing what their experience might have been like 
what their experience might continue to be like, what it's like to struggle with anxiety, depression, and to have this other world that's unfolding and this idea of, you know, doing things online. So the activity I want to explore would be living in the age of dot, dot, dot. And it's just a way of kind of holding ourselves accountable when we're attempting to help the young people of today, the young people becoming adults, the young people going on the journey of adulthood. we got to remember that kind of in the background, there's a world that exists for Don and, and for me, I'm a Gen X person and uh, the world that Don's living in is very different than the world that I lived in. So yeah, I want to invite you to take a moment and imagine how would you describe the world that Don's living in? And if you're a younger person, and if in fact you are Don, you know, I'm, I'm really interested and eager for, for you to start initiating discussions about what it's like to be a young person today. Invite other people to kind of empathize and then to recognize that we can start to have some really interesting conversations after that happens. And perhaps that one of the challenge, uh, challenges as a young person, if you're a young person listening, would be to think about who will you pursue in terms of finding a mentor, right? Who will be your Yoda? Who will be your Obi-Wan Kenobi? Who will be your Martin Luther King Jr.? Who will be your, who will be your guide? And in terms of this activity, how would you describe the age in which you find yourself inhabiting? So take a moment. Think about that. Perhaps pause this discussion. Um, go get yourself a nice cup of tea. I was previously enjoying a, a glass of dandelion root tea. I think it's appropriate because uh, when I look outside during this wonderful spring time, I see dandelions all over my lawn. They just look so beautiful. I know for others there are weeds, but I really think we should celebrate them. This, this is uh, the time of the pollinators. And bees are our friends. So, what do you think? What, what is this the age of? And when we think about ages, we can think about the dark ages, that period of time from the 5th to the 14th century when there was a lack of cultural development. We could think about uh, thoughts 
I think their future thoughts about the age of Aquarius and that movement towards a greater level of human consciousness. So in terms of this age right now, for the younger person, for the young adult, what, what th might this age be? And I think it's important for us to not forget and lose sight of the ideas we have in terms of what this time might be named. Because I think it'll put in perspective, sometimes when people are thinking about younger people, they'll maybe perhaps entertain discussions that include words like nihilism, narcissism, apathy. You know, if you're wondering if there's going to be a world tomorrow, maybe you would lean in a nihilistic direction, you know, in terms of a worldview. Maybe that's just something that would be a little bit more inevitable. Now, if you live in a world that because of different algorithms and in terms of the social media platforms that are out there that are tailor-made to you, they're queuing up things specifically for you. Maybe you wouldn't be so surprised to see what we might describe as narcissistic tendencies. You know, and that that's not a worldview, but that's a personality trait, personality style. And in terms of apathy, if you don't think that you're going to have future employment and you can't buy a house and it doesn't matter what you do, you're, you're, you're doomed if you do and you're doomed if you don't, then maybe apathy wouldn't be such a strange response. Okay, so I'm going to share now, as I've been talking and you've perhaps had a chance to kind of think about what this age would be for Dawn, I'm going to share some of the things that I've heard from other people that I've had this discussion with. And I've been very excited and enthusiastic about having this discussion and I want to continue to have this discussion because for me, it is a, a priority and a passion to want to be there and support young people so that they could have an opportunity to live the good life and experience happiness. But even more so than happiness, I think purpose and meaning. To live a purposeful life to be able to make meaning. So some, so some of the things people said was, this is the, and you know, ask, you know, ask yourself, does it not sound like there's some kind of theme here? The age of chaos. The age of disconnection. The age of uncertainty. The age of confusion, the age of apathy, the age of struggle, mine, in terms of the thought that I have, is it's the age of anxiety and distraction, that we're so anxious, and young people are so anxious thinking about the present and the future, that the way in which they cope is to distract themselves, right? And we can keep talking about the importance for young people to be resilient, but there comes a point when we're so exhausted 
that our ability to be resilient, it's gone. And that's why we need to build community and to be there for one another and to be good mentors. And I think that this activity and this discussion will help us be good mentors. The one answer that I found really interesting, and this was a young person that is a part of the Gen Z generation. The young person said, I think this is the age of Gen Meta. I, I, I wasn't sure exactly what was being shared in terms of the totality of the thoughts that this young person had. But I was excited. There was something about this. I thought this is there's there's something to this thought that I think I need to understand. And the person talked about, you know, metamorphosing. A metamorphosis is coming in terms of the multiverse. And these are things that uh, Meta, who is the parent group of Facebook, have been talking about. This idea of the multiverse, you know, it includes augmented reality, virtual reality. Now there are these interesting conversations that are taking place uh, in terms of chat GPT, which has been described by um, some thinkers as a plagiarizing platform for teens. <laughs> uh, is that fair? Is that unfair? I know a lot of my friends who are educators are saying that it appears that uh, a lot of the essays that are being submitted um, have been the products of chat GPT. So I attempted to absorb the, the, the energy and the excitement uh, that seemed to be generated in terms of my exchange with this young person. And uh, I thanked the young person and the young person left. And that, when it was a little bit too late, I thought, oh, I needed to ask that young person, was this an original idea? I needed to know, like, is this something that you're sharing? Because if it is, I, you know, I don't want to be taking credit for someone else's idea. I want to be mindful of where the idea came from. Uh, so I didn't get a chance to follow up. So I decided I'd do a little bit of research. I went on the internet. I got on Google and I did a search and I, I discovered that uh, there were a number of uh, links um, and different uh, search items that popped up in terms of Gen Meta. And it, it, just, it was a description of a kind of life that exists for a certain group of people. And it said, Gen Meta is a person that since they were born, from the point of their birth to this point now, they've lived in a world where there is a physical world that they can step into and be a part of and a digital world. So is this idea that young people, and now we're, now we're thinking about not only Gen Z, but we're also thinking about Gen Alpha. And, you know, if we're going to talk about cuspers, the Zelfas, they, since their birth, have lived in a world where they could invest in relationships either in person, in the, in the physical world, and 
go to a friend's place and, and perhaps go for a walk and talk in person, or they can go online and they can meet up in a chat and they can have discussions through video and have what we would call FaceTime. Now, from the very limited research that I've done about uh, Gen Alphas, it suggests that there's a preference for uh, a percentage of Gen Alpha young people. There's a preference for connecting over the internet as opposed to in person. This is really interesting. And this is for me as a person who grew up before, you know, there was an opportunity to have a, a cell phone that could help you access all this incredible information that's now available. You know, it was before there were computers in the home, you know, when I was a young person. And so everything was, you know, you, you, you get out into the world and you exist within this physical world and you have these relationships, these direct, in-person, concrete relationships, these kind of tangible interactions. And now young people can, but not only can, but are choosing to have virtual experiences with one another. So I think, you know, if we're going to be mentors, we need to we need to understand this and we need to kind of be able to wrap our heads around it. Because in a sense, it's almost as if young people, they do live in a different world at times. And that world is preferable, whereas some older generations will see it as unhealthy. And to have important discussions about the implications So for me, in terms of this, just empathizing and understanding and recognizing, I think I, I, I've got to hold on to it. And I invite you to kind of hold on to, you know, that the young people of today, we need to move away from, you know, the nihilistic, narcissistic, apathetic kind of framing and I'm not saying that's true for everyone, but I just know it, it seems to be, you know, and I guess the other one would be the world, word entitlement. Um, and I'm not discounting the importance of stepping up and taking responsibility for one's life, because that's what the hero's journey is all about. You know, the hero's quest is about taking responsibility for the story of your lived experience and going out in the world and creating and forging a meaning for oneself. But the context of that journey has really changed. And I think young people need allies and they need support and they need mentors. And for us to be the good mentors, these are some of the things that we need to not lose sight of. In terms of the, some suggestions, like if, you know, I could just kind of share some seed-like thoughts about where we might eventually go, uh, but not necessarily right now, would be recognizing because of some of these realities, if we are in the age of Gen Meta, and there is a digital world out there, I think it starts to raise questions about what is real. 
And I just want to kind of end on that kind of note and some thoughts and share some thoughts about that. I have talked with some young people, and I'm not just talking Gen Z. I've been talking with Zalphas and Gen Alpha young people. And they've shared that at times the world doesn't feel real. You know, interestingly enough, some of the questions I might want to ask is, are you telling me that after you spend a lot of time on a computer in front of a screen playing video games that are totally immersive and you know let's let's just imagine that some of the these young people then even go the you know the the VR route and it gets a little even more immersive and you spend large amounts of time on you know, a, a phone uh, in front of a screen, a computer, a tablet. Is there a connection between this feeling of not thinking, feeling, sensing that the world is real? And the, this feeling when, when the younger people have talked to me, it's very unsettling, right? It's like, you know, and I, there are some games, well, what do we call the people in the background, non-playable characters? And, and I imagine that would be really scary to arrive at a point where you're going through life and you, you're having the sense that the other people around you, you know, are fake and not real and they're non-playable characters. And I think we have to consider that, you know, in terms of the video games that people play, and I think there's a lot of video games that young people are playing, you know, video games that are very violent, very immersive, that there could be some kind of connection. And I, the, one of the first things I'd want to say is that I don't think it's strange. I would want to validate a young person's experience and say, you know, I don't think that's strange that you're feeling the way you feel. And I don't think that it's, uh, it's indicating that, that you have a problem or that there's something about you that's glitched or glitching. Uh, I do think, though, it's information, important, critical information that things might need to change in terms of lifestyle. And I'd like to invite the young person to consider some thoughts in terms of reconnecting, becoming uh, connected with oneself, with oneself, with others, and one's environment. I think the key is, you know, disconnecting from the technology, taking the earbuds out, taking the VR headset off, shutting down the computer, putting down the phone, and getting outside into nature. And that's why I've been recently really attracted to Henry David Thoreau's Walden. I also think uh, for the young person, in terms of stepping into the 21st century, uh, Henry David Thoreau is also uh, instrumental and paramount because uh, we, there are these competencies that we need, and one of them would be, I think, uh, citizenship and activism, and civil disobedience is a great read. But in addition to Henry David Thoreau, we also have Rolf Waldo Emerson talking about 
having a direct experience with nature. And when we do these things, when we connect with nature, it calms the body down. It allows us to ground. It allows us to move through the air, to breathe the fresh air. And there's something really soothing about forest bathing and just walking in nature. So I, I would highly recommend that. And, and I, would, I would share the thought and the caution to be mindful of what you eat. And I'm not just talking like in terms of the food that you might have in your fridge, but I'm talking metaphorically. And if you're not feeling centered, and if you're playing too many video games, you don't want to compound that. You don't want to feed the fire of disconnection. You don't want to feed the fire of living a surreal life by watching certain programs or listening to certain ideas that just might not be healthy. Now, there, are, there are these documentaries with the background music. There are ide different ideas in terms of different websites about different conspiracy ideas and theories that I think could really compound the level of anxiety that a person's feeling and even further cause a person to feel like the world is fake and the world is not real. So we want to step away. We want to spend time with people and we want to get back to the basics and some of the basics would be you know in terms of being mindful of you know what you eat um, eat healthy food make sure you get eight hours sleep each and every night try not to mix up your bedtime points the, the, the time at which you go to bed, don't change it. Kind of keep a routine so your body knows when it's time to decompress and let go and relax. I'd say you need to make time for mindfulness moments. I'm not saying that you need to necessarily sit for half an hour in complete stillness, but Every day, I think we should challenge ourselves to have, you know, six to seven moments of mindfulness that last a minute. And it could be something as simple as breathing in, I'm aware I'm breathing in, breathing out, I'm aware I'm breathing out. I think prayers or reciting poetry, meaningful poetry that strikes a chord with us, that resonates with us, that these are really important ways to calm our mind and to allow our mind's eye to focus on the things that are important. And this will allow us to either bliss out or to reach certain really important insights about the way we should be living our life, maybe changes that we need to make. And I think the other thing is physical contact. We need to have physical contact if we want to ground ourselves when the world doesn't feel real, we want to be able to at times, in terms of the people that we know that we feel safe with, 
We want to be able to go to them and ask them, can I give you a hug? You know, and with consent, you know, give them that hug that will nourish both of you. It, it, it's, it's something that everyone will benefit. So I think those are some things that could be really helpful. And I'm hoping to have more discussions about different strategies that we can help Don today embrace the kind of life that's going to be meaningful to Don. And I think that we can confidently believe that we've set ourselves up to be able to move in that direction as mentors because we've taken that most valuable and crucial step in this moment and recognize that Don is existing in the age of dot, dot, dot. Thank you for this tip of the iceberg conversation. Peace, take care, be well, and share. Advice for Don. What I would advise Don to think about is to perhaps develop a more awareness of what takes energy and what gives energy. There's so much competing for our attention now and those things tend to take our energy. So it's on us to try to monitor that, whether it's amount of time on YouTube or social media or whatever the case may be. Chances are that's not really giving us energy in the same way we would get energy from spending time with friends or family or exercising or being out in nature, these kinds of things would never be able, would always uh, provide more energy than staring into a screen. So think about what gives you energy and think about what takes your energy. Cause at the end of the day, uh, one's future depends on what is done today. And if we're engaging in activities that are taking our energy, it's hard to prepare for a better future. And here's, I guess, where I would offer some edited advice. You've got to understand that living in a community involves responsibility. So you're born into a community and you have a responsibility to that community. And that community has a responsibility to you. And somewhere between give and take is the sweet spot. If everybody takes because they don't like their situation, they don't like their job, so they don't perform, they don't like their marriage, so they quit, they divorce, they don't like their family, so they leave, they don't like their government, so they don't pay taxes or don't obey the laws, then you can't have a community. Um... We can't have a community unless people do work together. And obviously there is a a scale there of giving too much and not getting anything back. But we do have to have a bit of a stiff upper lip. Um, Life is not handed to us on a silver platter. Uh, We do have to work for some things. And it's important to involve ourselves in effort, to have some resistance in our lives. So don't assume that life is supposed to hand you things.
that would be my advice. 